Hey, this is the Mile High Magnum Dak Draper, and you're watching the Three Count Podcast. So you better play close attention, because if you don't, then shame on you. Welcome, everybody, to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now Inching Ring, and I am your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. That's right, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. You could call me a Sherpa. You better call me your Sherpa after all the episodes I've asked you to do that for. But like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can. And that's why it's never about me, but it's about who's entering the ring. So today, he comes to us from MCW, SLA, ROH, ECPW, Beyond Glory Pro, DWF, NEW, HOW, NWL. He is the Mile High Magnum, Dak Draper. Hey, thanks for having me on, Red Dog. Hey, man, I appreciate it, dude. This is this is awesome. Thank you for coming on and talking with us. Hey, you said you're a Sherpa. I'm from the mountains, so you're speaking my language. That's right. Mile High City represent. That's what we do. Right? <laughs> Full transparency for everybody who don't know. I'm a massive Denver fan and uh, in all aspects of life, except I do not follow the Buffaloes. I'm not a Colorado Buffalo fan or a Rams fan. It's not my thing. Hey, hey, that's fine. Like, you know, as long as you're a Broncos fan, I'm good with it. Hell yeah, man. That's all I'm about. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, so we've met a couple times. We actually started chopping it up, you know, we at Undisclosed Location. We ain't gonna talk about it. You guys don't need to worry about that part. But we've been kicking it and just talking back and forth, man. And finally, I was like, hey, man, let's, let's bring you on the podcast. And here we are, man. So my first question off the jump, who is Dag Traper? Man. I'm the living tall tale. There are so many good things about me. It's hard to believe that I'm real. Like I've got, I'm tall, I'm tan, I look good, I can talk well, I'm athletic. And you, I'll tell people this and they won't believe it until they see me wrestle. And so uh, Dak Draper is, I would say I am a, I'm like Paul Bunyan. I am like, uh, I am like Pecos Bill. I am John Henry all rolled into one. There, once you see me, you can't stop telling stories about me to everybody you know, to all your loved ones, to gr- grandma, all the way down to the little kids, all the way to the family doll. Yeah, it's it's because you are very tall. There, there is no lie in that game. Like I, I was like, all right. I was like, and the funny, the craziest things, right? Like I know a lot of people out there will say, like, well, I watch wrestling all the time. Like those guys don't look that tall until you meet that person in real life, and you're like. Yeah, no, you are ridiculously tall. <laughs> yeah. That is a thing. Like, camera either makes you look bigger or smaller sometimes. <laughs> Bet. So I'm curious, man. I know part of the story. I'm just very curious. And for our listeners and viewers out there, how did you get into the sport? So I, it's funny. Pro wrestling led me into amateur wrestling, which led me back into pro wrestling. <laughs> So uh, when I was a little kid, I loved watching wrestling on TV, but my mom hated it. And so in order to watch Monday Night Raw, she was like, you got to go to kid, you got to go to wrestling practice. So I had to go to kids wrestling practice at the Air Force Academy, which is in Colorado Springs. Oh, and I hated it so much. I liked the actual wrestling part, but the warmups and the conditioning, I couldn't stand. I didn't mind the conditioning as much as the warmups. I was always, I was always like... Why are we running before we wrestle? This is so stupid. I would always try to hide in the bathroom. And the coach who was like an Olympian would have to go like pull me out of the bathroom. And uh, I was probably like the worst. I was probably like his least favorite kid. He probably loved when I wasn't there. But uh, 
it, I ended up like falling in love with amateur wrestling and then uh, wrestled all through high school, wrestled in college. And then uh, my senior year at the uh, national tournament, I uh, was approached by a WWE talent scout and he offered me a tryout to come to uh, Florida to, uh, to uh, do a tryout to see if I was like, if I was like one of this when they were signing a lot of athletes, if I was an athlete, they wanted to teach how to wrestle and uh, I ended up getting signed and uh, the rest is kind of history. It's all kind of been a whirlwind since. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because like your story is just so similar to mine. Right. Cause like I was actually born in Penrose hospital in Colorado Springs. Wow. Uh, That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> and uh, you know, my dad at one time used to live in Fort Morgan and uh, I actually, I was an amateur wrestler as well from like sixth grade all the way to my sophomore year in college. And when I, uh, when I, okay, I'll be on, I failed out after, you know, destroying my shoulders. So I was like, I don't really need to be, you know, here. So I decided I wanted to do something and I ended up joining the military. But uh, yeah, and then I, I followed you and I was like, holy crap. I was like, there's so much stuff that's going on as I'm being joined by a special guest. That's Duke. <laughs> Duke. Duke yep. Dog Draper. Hey. Very tired. Look, man, like you guys can be friends. <laughs> He's tired from being bad all day. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I was talking about. He's like running, like before we were recording, he was running around the house and they were like, nope, just take him into his room and he'll hang out with dad. He'll be fine. So, but yeah, so I've been following and we, we legitimately, I got my bombshells. My head was blown when I was, when I found out that you actually had wrestled at a place where I had a couple of my friends actually one wrestle and two play football. So I was like, yo, this is so crazy. Yeah. That's such a small world thing. Yeah. We have, like we have a mutual friend who, who was, uh, he was a teammate and then a coach of mine in college. And, uh, that's, it's really, it's really funny how that happens. Like every once in a while you meet somebody through wrestling who like has so much in common with you. Like, Oh my God, like we've probably crossed paths at some point before pro wrestling. Yes. Cool it. (laughs) Sorry, he's throwing himself around on the couch. That's all right. <laughs> He'll probably get up, walk around, probably go sit in the corner and stuff, and you'll just see him move around all over the place. So he's the same <laughs> way. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like it's just it's insane to think like how 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 small the world is. I was actually telling the story to a friend of mine, um, actually that you know it's a place where we first met. But uh, I was telling him about how uh, I was in I was in Iraq and uh, I saw a guy walking around. And I was like, dude, like, I think I know that kid. So I walked up to him and I asked him, I was like, hey, is your name this? And he was like, yeah. I was like, dude, we played baseball together in like fourth grade. <laughs> and he was wow. like, yeah, it was the last time I saw him. And uh, yeah, we just happened to just see each other. So it was crazy. Like, that's nuts. That's what I was, I was like, yo, it is a, it is a very small world out there. <laughs> and especially in our field where you, you everybody you meet knows somebody who knows that person and you're just like this yeah. is wild six degrees of separation right <laughs> uh so it's crazy man i love asking this question a lot it's one of my favorite questions but i need to know what's the worst bump you've taken oh the worst bump that i've ever taken was uh so i was uh i was uh, i do a springboard back elbow into the ring so if i'm on the run I jump and I bounce off the second rope and I come off back into the ring towards the guy who was in the center of the ring. So I went for this springboard back elbow and he jumped up to try and counter it with a cutter. And as he jumped up to try and counter it or a neck breaker, as he jumped up to try and counter it, he jumped into me 
as I came back and my head got pushed forward so hard while I was in the air that I had a, it cracked my sternum from how hard my chin pushed into my, uh, pushed into my sternum. And then my neck was like destroyed from it too. It was, a uh, I didn't, I didn't get back in a ring for, I was out for like four months. Like oh. it was, it was awful. It was like, anytime I would like think that I could like, feel kind of up to uh to moving around and i'd go to do like some three-quarter rolls in the ring it would the sternum was the worst part the neck got better quicker but the sternum was like it took forever to heal like i didn't lift upper body for months and months and months my upper body wasted away which was so frustrating to look at in the uh to watch in the mirror but that was definitely the worst bump i ever took one of those bumps where like i remember i hit and i heard my neck pop a bunch of times and then I looked, I looked at, I remember I looked at my boots. I looked at my feet and I could move my, and I wiggled my feet back and forth. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it was terrifying. Oh, no, I can imagine that. That definitely doesn't sound like something I want to do. It reminds me of, I don't know if you remember Chris Brown uh, yeah. running back for the, for the Buffaloes. Um, yeah. When he cracked his tournament at Tennessee for the Titans, I was like, and then he was just done. Like his career was over. And I was like, dude, that sucks. Cause. He was such a good talent. Like, I don't want to put Buffalo running backs over, but he was. <laughs> so it's funny. Uh, I, uh, my sternum, I've cracked it three times. And the first time I cracked it was the time you wouldn't expect at all, where I, uh, I was wrestling this big Austrian guy named Mario Vanger. And he, t- he sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger, ridiculously tan, like really muscular, big dude. And, uh, I, do, I also do a move where if a guy's running and coming off the ropes, I'll try and cut him off and give him a forearm on the ropes. And he had so much force coming off the ropes that when we ran into each other and I gave him the forearm, his body pushed my my fist into my sternum. And that's the first time it broke. Mm. And that, that's the first time it cracked, my sternum cracked. And then every time, and that was like the time when you would expect it the least. And every time since then it's happened, there was another time where I, fell across a guardrail and uh and it happened and then that last time but the first time was the time that like you would least expect it from you would think that was the last time like it had weakened up or something (laughs) that's dak draper's greatest weakness you think dak draper doesn't have a weakness my greatest weakness is my sternum but i protect (laughs) it i'm like Tony stark yeah you have to get the you have to get a chest plate now (laughs) call d-lo i'm sure he's around he'll probably give you his (laughs) Get the chest protector. And just need a smaller, a very small chest protector. Right. All right. So we can talk about your worst bump like we just did, but we also got to talk about the hardest hit. So I'm just curious, like, what's the hardest you've been hit? Oh, man. The hardest I've been hit. This kid, I don't even remember his name. His name might have been like Jory or something. I think it was Jory, J O R Y. We wrestled in Denver, Colorado, and he super kicked me. So. I these three teeth are fake and they're a bridge and he super kicked me so hard. I felt my bridge move. And, uh, and it's a funny story because after that happened, I had like a crack. I had a crack in it in the bridge. I could always feel it with my, with my tongue. I could always feel this little crack, just like a little hairline never gave me trouble. And then I was at a Renaissance festival eating a Turkey leg two years later. And, it started to feel really loose. Like the pressure felt weird. And I was like, huh, I probably need to make a dentist appointment. This is bad. I hadn't been to the dentist in over two years at this point. But 
you're a pro wrestler and sometimes things come up and there's not a whole lot of insurance going around for everybody. So uh, I, I, I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. Like this is probably getting a little loose. I probably need to take care of this bridge that has a crack in it. Then I go to order a root beer float later that day. And there's like a high school kid behind the counter to, at the root beer float stand. And as I say that I would like a root beer float, when I say at the F for float, my, this front tooth just breaks off and I catch it. And he like, his eyes go up big and he looks at me. And he's like, did your tooth just fall out? And I'm like, I didn't know at this point. I was like, and I open my hand and we both look and there's my tooth in my hand. And I just look at him and say, yeah. And he was like, do you still want a root beer float? And I was like, no, I probably need to save my money for the dentist. And just <laughs> walked off. Oh, that's a trip, though. Yeah, so thanks a lot, Jory. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he'll know this story as soon as he hears it. <laughs> Jory with the super kick from hell, if that is his name, even. Yeah, right. Pretty soon you'll be like, oh, no, it was Joey. That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that's cool. Uh, well, not cool that you lost your tooth, but it's a cool story, though. It's a good story now. Yeah, I'm just curious, man. Like, I know a lot of wrestlers have their pre-rituals as well as, like, a post-ritual, right? So I'm curious, man, what's your pre-ritual? And then after your match or an event, do you have a post-match snack or post-match meal? Um, my uh, my pre-match ritual, uh, the day of, I always – I try and get, like, a little workout in, like a little full-body workout where I just go through, like, all my movement patterns, really warming up my hips – I really try and warm up my hips and my shoulders and like my scapula, like my back a lot. I really focus on like my posterior chain because like my glutes, everything, because I feel like wrestling is so, it's so much harder on your back than your back and your neck and your hips than anywhere else. So I try and get some movement. If I can't make it to a gym, I'll just get some body weight exercises where I'm just like really trying to make sure that I've got good circulation going even before, like if I have a long drive or a long flight coming up, I'll even like, I'll do it in the airport sometimes. Cause I like, I really feel like it helps before you travel to really get loose and to get everything, uh, get everything activated. And then you can get in the car. I feel like it's so much easier to warm up, to, to get warmed up. Once you get done traveling, you get to the venue. If you've already done it that day before, before you had to sit there and be, sit there and just be motionless. So that's something I try and do. And then when I get I, with my diet, I eat a lot of cream of rice because I feel like the day of shows, I don't want to be bloated and cream of rice is carbs. So you're getting like, you're getting your carbs so you can look really like pumped up and you have, and you have your energy. And then I have protein shakes because obviously I want to still be getting protein in. Uh, but I always keep my fats pretty low on the day of. And then when I get, then when I get to the venue, I, uh, first thing I do is I hit the ring. I do some other exercises, some, uh, some more little like neck and back activation exercises, because if I don't do it, I love to socialize at shows. So I'll start talking to the boys, start telling stories. I'm a big storyteller. And I'll forget. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm like, my match is up in two matches. I'm still standing there in my, in my sweatpants and I'm still standing in my sweatpants and, uh, and slippers. And, uh, and I haven't warmed up at all. And so then I'm rushing to get my, all my gear on. So I get to the venue, I go through my little workout and then I change. I'm, I have to be an early changer because I like, I love to like hang out and talk and socialize. So if I don't, if I don't change early, that I'm going to be rushing. Like it's like my music hitting and I'm lacing my boots up. So <laughs> I have to change early to keep myself honest. And then uh, post-match uh, it's funny. Post-match I'll always bring like, I'll always bring a Tupperware. That'll be like, it'll be 
especially if I have a match the next day, it'll be something healthy, but something that I can get like some fats from. Like it'll be like steak and some steak and protein pasta or some some steak and steak and rice. Typically I do protein pasta because I like it more. And so I kind of try and reward myself. <laughs> Most of the time I end up saving that and eating it the next day because after the match, I'm like tired and I'll just like have a protein shake. And especially, you know, if I'm drinking beers with the boys, I might have some bar food. Like if I have like multiple matches, like mul- like multiple days in a row, then that's usually when I'll have like a little cheat meal to kind of replenish. Like I'll get some, if the, if the venue has, if the venue has food or there's a bar to go out to afterwards, I'll get like, I'll go ahead and get like a, a burger or something, something where I'm like, I'm getting some fats and I'm like, and I'm getting some, uh, I'm almost treating myself a little bit. No, that's awesome. I know for me, I was like, my post-match meal is if I can find the sheets or a Wawa, it's like, I'm always getting a burger. I was like, that just, and it's usually cause I'm driving like five, six hours back home. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Like, I'm just like, all right, let me grab this. And, uh, a healthy energy drink. <laughs> right. Isn't it funny how, uh, it's so funny how, especially on the East coast gas stations vary so much. Like in Connecticut, you have all those little weird gas stations off the Connecticut turnpike where it's like, yes. they're all like little, uh, there's like little, and I don't know. It's I'm, I'm from the West where it is like truck stop. It is, it is truck stops all the way where you have like, you damn near a mini mall in the, in the, at an exit where you can pull off. And so uh, that's definitely been an adjustment for me living out here on the East coast. Well, yeah. Cause like, and, and for those who don't realize what we're talking about, like in uh, like in Nebraska, like outside of Sydney, uh, Nebraska, there's like that giant truck spot. I think it's called like flying V. I think yeah. I yeah. something like that. Yeah. And they have like yeah. everything that's in there. Like if you're like, Oh, I like, I know truckers stop there all the time to like take showers in there and stuff. And then like, I've got, I'm a good, always thrown off. I've got a good story about the flying J truck stuff yeah. uh, at that particular one in Sydney. Uh, so I wrestled uh, at a college in Northwest Nebraska called Shadron state, uh, as you know, already. Um, and we were going to a tournament at the university of Wyoming and we stopped at the gas station in Sydney. I was cutting a lot of weight at the time. I was a freshman. I cut to 184 that year and I typically walk around at two thirty. So now I'm now I'm about, about two forty, but at the time it was two thirty. So I, I'm losing. I'm trying to. I'm losing forty six pounds to make weight, and uh, I'm obviously still very overweight. Like not forty six pounds, but I'm like ten pounds overweight. And so, and I'm so tired. I'm and I'm trying to like dehydrate every ten pounds out so that I can make weight the next day. And so I go and I try and go to the bathroom, and I'm so tired. I go to sit down. I go to sit down at, at, at a toilet because I'm so tired. I don't even want to stand up to pee. So I'm sitting in this stall, and when I shut the door, it felt like rickety. And then someone came in, and they pulled the other door to the stall, and my stall like was right next to the wall. So it was the wall right here, and then the stalls. The whole stall setup fell down. So I'm just sitting there in a toilet at this truck stop, exhausted, probably looking terrible and super skinny. Just sitting there at this toilet at the truck stop, looking at all these people. Just all of a sudden, I'm in a room with all these people as I'm sitting at a toilet. There, it was more. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. <laughs> yep, not Yo, one of my. It's it's crazy you're talking about because I so full transparency. There was there was a conversation I was having on Twitter with you know the the. I, what do we call him? The wrestling insider himself, Dave Meltzer. We were talking about wrestling and cutting weight and how you were talking about like going from, you know, 230 down to 184. 
And as a senior in high school, I went from 185 to 145 pounds. And like the dangers of yo-yo dieting is, yeah. (laughs) It's one of those things though, where if I had the choice again, I wouldn't have done it. Right. But I don't know, maybe I would have, because I think it was horrible for my body, but it made me so mentally strong. Like just to like realize where it was like, I set a goal where it was like, I have to make 184. Um, I have to make 184 pounds and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make that weight. And just like to deprive yourself of so many things was like, it was, it was so hard and it was, it was awful, but there was something rewarding about like, especially at the end of the season, like knowing that I had been so disciplined with myself that like, you're capable of such like of such over the top discipline. It makes, I don't know. It makes like sometimes when, really did like hard things come up in my life. Well, I'm a pro wrestler. There are a lot of hard things in my life, but uh, when like things come up where it's like, they just seem so daunting. I think about how daunting it felt the first time my coach was like, I want you to go 184. Like that seemed like it was impossible. And then just like by chipping away and losing a pound, like trying to lose like a little less than a pound a day and really trying to stay on, on track. And, uh, and just like really like pushing away all the temptations of being so laser focused. Like it made you realize that like, you could really surprise yourself with the things you can accomplish. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. I remember like when I was in college, my freshman year, right? Like, sorry, Northwestern. This is definitely a story I'm going to put out there, but I couldn't pass the hydration test. Like I was at a hundred, I was at a, I, I weighed at 180 and I was trying to get down to 149 and I couldn't pass the hydration. I was like 147, could not pass the hydration test to save my life. Oh, I so I was like, I, I don't know what to do. It was like, I, I legitimately like get up in the morning, like, I do my morning pee. I'm feeling good. I go. I fail the hydration test. So I was like, you know what? Like I made it here. I'm just gonna, you know, let me let me drink some some Mountain Dew, right? Code Red Mountain Dew, by the way. This is episode this is sponsored by Mountain Dew. But if you want to, we are accepting sponsorships. Anyway, so as I'm like trying to figure out what I'm gonna do, I start to realize like I'm peeing. I'm peeing clear, but I had been drinking Code Red Mountain Dew. So I was like, well, let me do this, right? So that morning I get up. I go to, I go, I buy a code red, I drink it. I wait, my, I give myself like a couple, you know, a little bit of time. I go pee, I pee clear and I pass a hydration test. And I was like, bruh, I found the miracle. <laughs> yeah. You could do the same thing with, uh, with, uh, like four grams of creatine, maybe five grams of creatine and in the, in, into a cup of coffee, put the creatine directly in the cup of coffee. And I'm sure that's horrible for you. Yeah. <laughs> No one do these things. Don't, Don't do, do it. But and I'm not saying that I did those to pass the hydration test either. But I just know, allegedly from experience, that that's how you pass the hydra- That's another way to pass the hydration test. <laughs> Look, we're not telling you. No, no. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> all right. So going on, right? Post match meals. I'm curious because I know you've been in for quite some time. I just want to know, like. What's one of the hardest lessons that you've learned uh, in pro wrestling? Um, if you, when you think that you've made it, think again. There have been a lot of times where I've thought that it's that I've either been really knocking on the door to, I guess, when I've thought that I've been at a higher spot than I am in the grand scheme of things in wrestling. And I feel like we always, you know, you're the star of your own story. Right. And so I feel like there are a lot of times where something will happen and through our eyes, because we're biased towards ourselves, we think that, oh man, this is, 
there's nothing that can derail me now. And man, life has been great at surprising me with things that can derail your wrestling career. So that's probably the greatest lesson. And then just this goes back to what I to uh, what I was talking about with weight cutting, where really just consistency and uh, consistency and focus are consistency and focus are two of the most important uh, aspect or two of the most important things to focus on when you're uh, when you're trying to be successful. And just like trusting the process, sticking to it, really knowing what direction you want to head in, committing, and then going that direction, not not getting straight off other directions. Yeah, I like that because I know like uh, uh, for my wife, right, her whole life she had a goal since like the age of three. And she's accomplished that goal. Now she has to dream bigger of what she wants to accomplish. And so she – I look at her. That. What's that? That's a good problem to have. Right. And that's why I told her, I was like, well, you found your happiness. Now I'm going to go get mine. So I was like, I'm just going to run around like crazy until I figure it out. And like, For real? Yeah. So now I feel like I'm Dude. on the right path. And I was like, yo, this is great. And I'm actually happy. She's happy. I'm happy. Like, shit. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> but it's that it's the idea that you do have to stay disciplined in, in whatever you're trying to accomplish. Because you have to know, like, the goal, the end goal you'll get to if you just keep consistent and stay disciplined to it. Absolutely. Yo, so I'm curious, man. I know, like, this may go hand-to-hand, so, like, the hardest lessons, but I'm just curious, like, what advice would you give to up-and-coming wrestlers? Man, uh, challenge yourself. Don't get comfortable. If you're comfortable, if you're comfortable or you become the best guy in the room, find a new room. There are guys, I feel like there were a lot of times, for example, I started wrestling in Colorado, and Colorado's geographically isolated. Like, there, there are good guys there. There are guys that have wrestled for a long time that, that have a lot of knowledge there. But I think if you, but you're in front of the same crowd always there, there's not, there aren't different shows that have different crowds. And I really feel like getting that experience in front of different audiences and traveling around and uh, like being in different locker rooms so you can learn and get feedback from different guys is so important. Guys and girls is so important because if you, if you're just, you know, if you're just in front of one audience all the time, you're just in the locker room with the same people all the time over and over again, then everything becomes stale. You're not really learning or you're learning the same lessons and you're not really pushing yourself. And hmm. I think it's so important to like really push yourself and to, and to feel like you're in an environment where you're learning and getting better. Um, I fell into the trap when I was living in Colorado for a while where it was like, I'm like involved in this, like argue, this ongoing argument about who's the best wrestler in Colorado. And I was thinking about it. Like, I, why did I ever waste any energy on that? I should be wasting that energy on on traveling and getting and getting booking, getting more bookings out of state and really furthering my career instead of worrying about who's the king of a state that genuinely people don't care about. You know what I mean? Yeah, those people are totally wrong, though. Like everybody should care about that state. <laughs> yeah, they should. But uh, <laughs> just wrestling, wrestling in Colorado is tough because it. Uh, one, it's geographically isolated. It's you're right. you're not close to many other cities that can support a lot of independent promotions. So it's hard to travel and to bring and to bring guys from outside of the area in. And then also, it uh, I feel like there's it's not as traditionally it wasn't a traditionally strong wrestling area. They didn't have strong territories in Colorado right. um, back in like the eight the the sixties, seventies, eighties, and eighties. They didn't. It wasn't. They had AWA, but AWA would just tour through there. It wasn't like they had wrestling every Thursday night at the uh, city city auditorium. You know, it wasn't like that in uh, in a lot of those Western states that were more sparsely populated at the time. 
And so I just feel like there's not really that wrestling tradition there. And so it's definitely been different going to like when I moved to the Midwest or when I moved to, uh, to the East coast, it's, you can see it with the fans. It's just different. Like people come out more and they're more, more enthusiastic. They know what to, they, they, they know what they like to look for. They really know what they want more. I love the color. I, I don't get me wrong. I love the Colorado fans. I just wish there were more of you guys. Oh yeah, no doubt. Like I, I think about that too. And just in, in my area too, my home state, mm-hmm. right? So in Western Nebraska, there's, it's traditionally like a amateur wrestling state, right? It is. It is weird, massive about amateur wrestling. But when it comes to the pro wrestling scene, it is barren. It's so, so barren. When I was in college at Shadron State, I wanted to be a, a pro wrestler. Like I, But there was no independent wrestling there. In my mind, it was like, you go to the WCW power plant or something to become a, to become a wrestler. Of course, this is way after WCW, but I'm just, just messing around like, I just thought it was like, well, I guess you like go to OVW or whatever or whatever their developmental is. And then I found out it was FCW, obviously, uh, at the end of college. But so I had I had one MMA fight because I I was like just going to get into MMA after after college because I didn't know how to get into pro wrestling. And as soon as I got the opportunity to uh, to pursue pro wrestling, I was like, oh, yeah, screw MMA. I was one and oh in MMA, one and no career. Hey, undefeated. That's what matters. <laughs> then I. Accom- I hung the gloves up, accomplished all I needed to accomplish. I <laughs> <laughs> bet. Well, like you said, you've been traveling around, right? East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, uh, ins and outs everywhere, North and South. So I'm just curious. I need one do and one don't of the wrestling ring. One do? I'm and- sorry. One do, one don't of the locker room. <laughs> Ooh, of the locker room. Okay. Um, I'd say one do is try to at least – try to at least say hello to everybody in the locker room. Like, I don't, I don't think you have to do like the shake, hand, like walk around, shake hands, interrupt people's conversations, stuff like that. You don't need to do that, but at least kind of say what's up to everybody that's at the show, because I still think people are, like I said, you're the star of your own show. Sometimes you don't see how your actions are perceived. And so I have some, I have friends, I've had friends that are, that are more introverted and they don't like to say hi to people. Well, some people get offended by that. And you don't want people to think that you're a jerk when you're not really a jerk. So at least say, say what's up to everybody on the show and just kind of, Hey, like I'm sharing a lot with you guys and be friend and be a little, be friendly. And then a don't, Oh man. I would say don't. That's a really, that's a really good question. You know, I would say, don't burn a bridge unless it's absolutely necessary. There have been a lot of times when, not a lot of times, but a few times when just over pride or taking, taking a friend's side or I've, or just, just, I don't know. I've been trying to mostly it's mostly it's foolish pride where you're trying to take a stand or trying to take sides on something when it's unnecessary and you don't need to. And I've burned a bridge with someone and then I've realized, Oh wow. that like, you think back on the situation, like, well, they're not really a bad person. They were just doing what was best for them. And then you're like, well, now I've burned this bridge and everybody who they're friends with does everybody who likes them doesn't probably want to associate with you. And it's all this needless drama and energy, focus your energy on where it needs to be focused, which should be your own success. I like that. Avoid the politics. Yes. Avoid the politics. All that you can. It's so easy to get sucked into that world too, and I'm just like, oh man, yeah. I was like, I caught myself a couple times, and then I, 
uh, I have uh, some good friends who like support me. Right. And we're all, we support each other. I should be honest like that. But as soon as I was like, yo, just keep me out of this. And they're like, okay. And yeah. so as soon as they start to talk, you're like, Go that yeah. way. I'm like, all right, bet. <laughs> but those are all my heavy hitting questions, but we do got to get into the second best segment of this podcast. And people are always asking me, what's the first? And I tell them it's the Red Dogs Power Rankings. Yep. You can catch that every Sunday on our debate show. But this is the three count podcast, 10 count questions. Mr. Dak, this is how it works. I'm going to fire off 10 questions at you rapid fast. Whatever's yeah. your answer, that's your answer. Awesome. So we're going to put on the imaginary, imaginary timer for added pressure. Bing! And here we go. Smackdown or Raw? Raw. Favorite movie? Ooh. I can't even think of a movie right now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, The Town. Hey, let's go. Yeah. We can talk more about that off, off the clock. Uh, PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Favorite color? Green. Mario or Sonic? Mario. Favorite submission move? The stretch muffler. Let's go. Hey, the Brock Lock. <laughs> Elway or Manning? Manning. Okay. Favorite podcast? Well, obviously the three count podcast. And then second uh, second place would be the uh, Flow Wrestling Radio Live podcast, which is, hey. it's an amateur wrestling podcast. You guys don't want to listen to it. No, I, okay, so pause the clock. No, full transfer. I love that podcast. Me too. Ben, with ben Askren on it, he's he, he <laughs> up all the time, and, and he's not doing it intentionally. Yeah, my uh, one of my friends actually used to write for uh, Flow, Flow Wrestling. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, back to the clock. Uh, nominate one person that you want to have or you would like to see on this podcast. One person that I'd like to see on this podcast would be the Mecca, Brian Johnson, because he hates doing podcasts, and I love when Brian Johnson is pissed off. <laughs> Bet. And last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on this podcast, favorite curse word. Ooh, my favorite curse word would have to be, well, it probably had to be the one I use the most, which is, the F word. Fuck. Hell yeah. That's, yeah, that's my favorite. And it's funny though, I'm really not a fan of cursing and wrestling. Like, I'm, I'm a fan of cursing and wrestling, but only like one or two guys on a show should do it. And it's, and it should be the guys who need it. Like, if a guy's already got like a big fan, traditionally I feel like when guys start cursing and wrestling, it's because they can't get in trouble because the, the fans are so behind them. Right. And I think that's, like the fans are already behind them. They shouldn't, have, they, they don't need to curse. A guy that the fans are behind should curse, you know? That's yep. that's what I think. That's 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 my hill to die on. I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, hi, buddy. Hi. Yes. Yes, I love you too. So I tell people all the time, I'm like, uh, when you're doing your promos, like, full transparency, I love cursing. And military, Midwest, all that stuff. I love cursing. But oh, it's funny. I love it in my normal. Yeah, when, I, when, I, when I'm doing promos and stuff like that, I don't curse. And I tell people, and I, I remember one guy, he would say all the time. And I stopped him. I stopped him mid-promo. I was like, listen, man, there's no reason to curse. I was like, as of 1970, there was 399,993 words. There are seven of them that you can't say. And I'm pretty sure you could find a, a word to insert into that word that you're trying to say all the time. And yeah. uh, I forced him to think outside the box a little bit. 
And then he just went back to cursing anyway. And I was like, all right, man, you clearly, your vocabulary is like this, even though it should be like this. <laughs> I feel like a lot of times when guys curse in promos, it's, they, it comes across so unnatural that it's like, it sounds like a kid whose parents aren't around, who's like really trying to show off all like how much they, <laughs> how, how much they cuss. And I don't know, it just makes me laugh. It's kind of like when, uh, like, for example, uh, when I was wrestling for Rocky Mountain Pro, it was a very fan-friendly show. And Rocky Mountain Pro, would run, they run like 80 events a year. They, they run almost twice every weekend, which is awesome. I got so much better when I was, when I was wrestling there, just through reps alone. But uh, it's such a fan-friendly show. It was like you weren't allowed to – you had to be careful, like, calling somebody – like, calling – saying ass, you know, or saying damn. You couldn't say damn on their, at their shows. And uh, then they started booking some brewery shows that were 21 and up. And it was like – Everybody on the roster thought they were stone cold at the first couple of brewery shows where it's like, you have guys who have these like happy-go-lucky, happy-go-lucky characters, these happy-go-lucky guys, and they're like flipping people off and drinking beers in the ring. And you're like, what, what is this? <laughs> Y'all lost your damn mind. Yeah, Evan Neal doesn't need to flip off the fans. No. I was like, uh, like, you would feel like me. Like when I go out to the ring and stuff, like I'm always like high-fiving people and like I can get, I can get that I'm angry, or I can get that I want to curse without cursing. It just makes sense. I'm like, right. and I tell people, I was like, yo, explore those options because those are so good. You should have seen Hollywood, Maryland this weekend. There was, I, I come out, I make my entrance. People, there's a lot of jealous people in Hollywood, Maryland. You know, there, there, there are a lot of people that don't have all their teeth, and they're real jealous of somebody like me that can afford dental care, can afford bridges like this, and. Uh, so there, there was a little bit of booing, but there was one little girl in the front row, and she stood up, and she was probably like four years old, and she reached her hand out for a high five, and I was already up on, on the ring, but I got down to give her a high five, and her grandma helped like help her up because I was a little too far away, and right when she could reach, I dropped my hand and just got right back in the ring, <laughs> and let's just say the uh, the there there could have there could have been a riot in uh, Hollywood, Maryland that. <laughs> so mr dak all i need from you is to let our viewers and our listeners know where they can find you you can find me on twitter and instagram which are like that's where i'm most commonly uh communicating with fans and putting info out there uh my handles are at mile high magnum all one word um and then uh i have a facebook fan page it's dakota draper only my mom calls me that. Only my mom and Facebook call me that. Uh, I never update it. So you can go ahead and like it if you want. Um, but you're probably not going to see a whole lot of updates there. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is where I'm at mostly. I, uh, I've, got two, I've got two new shirts that are out. I'm going to be posting in the info on how to get those shirts on Twitter. I'm just going to do it directly uh, because they've had all this stuff with data getting stolen and stuff like that. Dak won't steal your data. I know that I won't steal people's data, so I'm just going to sell the shirts directly to people from uh, for for the next couple months till uh, till uh, you know we can lock down all these data breaches. Yeah, definitely. But you heard it. He gave you his he gave you his handles. You know, you could go like his Facebook page, even though he may not respond, and it's fine. All right, but then you also can check out his T-shirt. So, without that being said, we got to do like our favorite part of the match. We got to go home because this is the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering the Ring. And like I said, I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. But 
like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can. And that's why it's never about me. It's about who's entering the ring. And you see him right there, the Mile High Magnum himself, Dak Draper. You guys know what to do. Tune into the next episode and be there. Or you accidentally elbow your dog in the snout. My bad, bro. Or you, know, you wait for this episode to end. You wait for that outro. And then you choose another episode to listen to. Peace. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. Well, what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod, give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give us a subscribe, turn the bell on, turn the notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. Oh, at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So. Show us some support, please.